The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Dominic Chu. In today for Scott Wapner, a record-breaking week for the bulls. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ hitting new highs, and the Dow wiping out its losses for all of 2020. Technology still dominating this rally right now. How much more can this market keep going higher, and how can technology play into it? Our investment committee today is Jim Labenthal, Steve Weiss, John Nigerian, and Anastasia Amoroso, head of cross-asset thematic strategy at J.P. Morgan's private bank. Let's get a check on the markets this hour. The S&P is having its best week in nearly two months and is having its best August since 1986. The Nasdaq on track for a fifth week's of fifth week worth of, worth of gains here, and the Dow is erasing its losses for all of the year. At its highest level since late February, it's also having its best August since 1984. We turn to the investment committee for this because we've just been seeing green, green, green for it seems like weeks, if not months at this point. I will turn to you, Anastasia, first from the big picture standpoint. Is it at all surprising to you that the markets have marched higher the way that they have over the last several months since the pandemic lows? It's not all the surprising, Dom. And the reason I say that is all the factors that we're looking at from the fiscal side, the monetary side, and the virus side are actually lining up in support of equities. So just think about what happened with uh, Chair Powell yesterday and the historic announcement that he's actually made about departure from the prior inflation-targeting regimes to this averaging inflation concept. What does that mean? That means rates are going to be low, low, low for the foreseeable future. And when you look at the rates markets, we think that's at least two years from now. So that is very supportive for the valuations of the broad market. Then you've got this fiscal stimulus and probably more to come that's just been massive in historical concept. The other development that really, um, I think, added optimism to the markets this week has been on the testing on the vaccine and the treatment front. We've obviously seen the Abbott announcement, which I think is a really big deal. If we get get quick tests fast, the 15-minute turnaround time, and we can get that at scale, that's a really big deal that will allow us to put the worst of the pandemic behind us. So better treatments, uh, promises of a vaccine by the end of the year, or at least early next year, and this mass scaling uh, testing, I think that's what's lifting the markets higher here. I think all of those things are justified. And Yes, it is possible that very, very near term, we are a little bit stretched. Some technical indicators certainly point to that. But any sort of dip that we get would be the one that I'd want to buy. It sure doesn't feel like Jim Labenthal that a market like this should be. With an economy like we have, with the virus pandemic still at play right now, a market like this shouldn't just go up in a straight line in a 30 to 45 degree up angle. Yet it has. Is there anything that's worrying you right now about what's happening with the market and the dynamic with these fresh record highs seemingly every day? 
Well, certainly. And, and the question is, how broad is this rally? Uh, we know that the top five stocks within the S&P 500 now comprise 25% of that index. The other 495 stocks actually together have a negative return on the year. Or if you want to put it in different terms, uh, the Russell 1000 value is down 9% on the year, while the Russell 1000 growth is up about 30% on the year. That sort of narrowness, that sort of dichotomy is not healthy to me. Now, what, that doesn't mean that we need to see technology and the other growth high flyers sell off. And I hope that doesn't happen. But what I would like to see is some investor sentiment start to migrate towards the other value sectors. You're starting to see it in industrials. That's very good. But you know what? You really need financials to start to pick up some slack here. Um, that, that broadening of the market would make me feel uh, much better because underneath that headline of where the S&P 500 is and where the NASDAQ is, the average stock in this market is not doing anywhere near as well as the headlines would suggest. Interesting that uh, Jim brings that up, uh, Steve Weiss, because we're looking at one of the ETFs that tracks the S&P 500 on a more equal weight basis, so not as much tilted toward those mega cap tech stocks. That particular ETF that tracks the equal weight S&P 500 is down around 4% on a year-to-date basis. Meanwhile, the market cap weighted traditional S&P is up 8%, a 1,200 basis point, 12 percentage point gap in performance that should be worrying for some investors out there, is it not? You know, it is worrying, but I don't think it should be. We've been having discussions about the breadth of the market for years now on this very show. Look, averages are great to talk about for so long. We still talk about the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is 30 stocks. What the historical conversations lose sight of, frankly, is the change that is occurring in business and in your personal life, which is the move to digital, the move to, to work away from home. All those moves are reflecting the companies that benefit from it. So to get tied to the legacy of old value names, I think is just wrong. And we've got to stop the debate. That's why you have active managers to avoid the indexes. So Jim, I'm sure, is embracing this because it's his opportunity to outperform the indices. So value, to me, is a misnomer. I see more value in a company that's selling at a P.E. of, say, a market multiple and growing at 30% than I do in an auto company at six times and is not growing at all and has a very heavy infrastructure they have to support. So it depends how you define value. Value is not the old hey, definition. Dom, can I respond value to that? doesn't mean stocks that haven't moved. All right, Jim, I, I Go will ahead, give Jim. You, I'm going to give you a quick rebuttal, and then I want to get into some other stuff here about the market dynamic. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, because, look, Steve makes a, a fine point. I just want to add this counterpoint to it. We're not talking about just the year 2020 that growth has outperformed value. This is basically 13 years, and if you look at the last five years, the Russell 1000 growth is up 134%. The Russell 1000 value is up 26%. That's a 5x difference. And my only point is that is mathematically impossible to continue. At some point, it reverses. And what I'm saying is after the last five years in particular, it's getting pretty hard to breathe at the valuation levels that the growth indices are sitting at. All right, so one of the other reasons why, and this is when I'm going to bring in uh, John Nigerian into this discussion right now, one of the other reasons why we are perhaps seeing some of this bullish tilt 
this maybe melt up, if you want to use that market cliche, has to do with the options market. Because the folks over at Bespoke Investment Group have noted that they've seen call option or options to buy certain stocks and indices. Call option volume has exploded in recent months with put volumes rising at a much slower pace. I would also note I've seen other research talking about something called options skew, meaning that the price relative of call options, bullish options, is now outpacing those of some of the more bearish ones on a relative basis. John, that means that people are just buying up the market and betting on even further upside, right? Uh, That is correct, Dom. Um, However, um, when you're buying an option, as you know, because you do enough of these shows where you talk about derivatives and so forth, that derivative has less risk than owning the actual stock. In other words, the people that are actively speculating, for instance, Dom, um, in Apple or Tesla, two stocks that are splitting next week, the people that are trading those could be trading $500 stock in the case of Apple or $2,100 stock in the case of Tesla. And instead, they're speculating with $5, $4, maybe $20 on the high end option contracts. We both know that the option gives you that kind of leverage because it's got a limited time frame for that participant to be right about the direction that they're playing, Dom. But that also means that's all you can lose. If you are trading those call options, for instance, and you mentioned calls rather than puts, so I'm focusing on that. So if you're trading those call options, you have a lot less risk on the table trading that $5 or $20 call on Apple or Tesla versus either of those two stocks. So I think that shows a lot of discipline, um, probably a lot of folks that can't afford to trade those stocks and instead are trading the options, Dom. And it's also why we're seeing the VIX move higher, even as the market moves higher. And that's usually the opposite case. Why is that? Because people are seeking out uh, that derivative rather than the stock when they're speculating on upside. And a lot of them are probably doing stock replacement as well, Dom. So I think that's a prudent way to uh, participate in the market with limited risk. An interesting kind of nuance to that options market as well is that for those professionals out there who are actually selling these options, selling these call options to folks, if they are appropriately hedged for the potential that they could get exercised on them, they actually have to buy stock every time they sell somebody a call option. It's a hedge out there. So the more call options people sell, the more those hedgers have to buy stock, and that kind of perpetuates this little upside cycle. Something to keep an eye on there. I also want to kind of talk a little bit, guys, about some of the things that we're seeing in the real economy right now, because we are seeing a number of things that are not necessarily Wall Street related. First off, today's news. Coca-Cola is cutting jobs as part of reorganization process there. It's going to be thousands. We're also seeing now airlines cutting jobs this week as well, and there's a threat that there could be more furloughs if government aid doesn't come through. Meanwhile, you've got a casino operator like MGM saying that it will cut 18,000 previously just furloughed employees. These are not good headlines entering a week when we have a large jobs report. So, Anastasia, I will turn to you. We know that the economy is not the stock market. But is the data somewhat worrying now about where the direction of the economy could be headed? 
I think the data, unfortunately, is very telling about what the economy is going to look like over the next six months to a year. It's unfortunately going to be a very uneven recovery that's full of uh, friction. We're going to have some of the new tech sectors that continue to do very well. Think about everything online, digital commerce, omni-channel commerce. And we're going to have other sectors of the economy, the brick and mortars and real estate, uh, multifamily real estate that unfortunately is going to continue to suffer. So I think we're going to continue to see this bifurcation in the labor market. I will say that it's not here to stay forever. I think what the economy is going through right now is a very big adjustment process. If you step back and think about the behavior changes that we've had over the past six months, there's step changes. We have adopted new behaviors. We're not going to drop them. We're not going to go back to the pre-pandemic habits. And that's what the economy has to adjust to. But unfortunately, there's frictions, there's lags while we work to reallocate the capital, let's say from the brick and mortar to the online infrastructure. So, Dom, you're right. It is not the market. So I don't expect the unemployment rate to get back to three and a half percent anytime soon. But I do think that the market can still fare pretty well in an economy that's growing, let's say, 2% and where rates are exceptionally low. All right. Let's go around the table since we've got the macro situation sorted out with our investment committee. Let's find out which stocks our committee are looking to buy in this market. Let's turn to you, Steve Weiss, the types of moves you're making given a tape that's at record highs. So one day I'm looking at is Zomi. So if you talk to any uh, any company that that's in the uh, supply chain for mobile phones or 5g the name comes up it's an adr it trades on the pink sheets here but it is the number one cell phone company in the world right now behind huawei and huawei as we know is going to have issues going forward so it's not only china it's lower end phones so it's 5g it's also internet of things they had a great quarter stocks up a little bit i'm going to pull back I'll start a position in Lowe's, as I mentioned yesterday. I'd love that to continue pulling back so I can get a full position in it. And then PayPal. PayPal is a very attractive name. I missed it. Don't know how I missed it because I was onto the Visa and cashless, but that'd have to come down quite a bit for me to get involved, as would Peloton. I don't expect it to because they report earnings soon. I think we can have another blowout quarter. All right, so you've got Xiaomi. PayPal and Peloton as your buys. Jim Labenthal, let's go to you. What, what exactly are you doing trading this environment? Well, I'm actually not making any moves today, but I got a couple at the top of my watch list on the growth side. One is Visa, and I spoke about that yesterday. I'm just waiting for about a 5% price break. I think the stimulus deal is going to take a little longer to play out. Uh, and as that has a dramatic impact on consumption, I'm going to see if I get a little better price for it. Same thing with Salesforce, which, you know, you look at the results this week, and, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Um, uh, it, it just it continues to be the in-demand uh, customer relationship management software. So those are two on the growth side. Uh, on the value side, I think viewers know that I'm, I'm not long for Intel here. You know, I still have it, but I'm looking for an exit there. And I still want to be heavily in the semiconductor space. Broadcom is one that intrigues me, um, not just because of the telecommunication side, but it has a pretty diverse portfolio of applications, much like Intel does, a very attractive valuation. So on the value side, that's what I'm looking at. All right, John Najarian, any kind of indication from your end here about particular trades that might seem attractive to you or stocks that you have on the shopping list in case they do kind of go on sale? 
Yeah, well, Dom, um, this is one of those difficult things when you've got uh, um, stocks that we're all trading, all four of us, um, and yet economic impact to Americans. So you mentioned and Anastasia mentioned the American Airlines, for instance, and that if they don't get additional, not just American, but all the airlines, if they don't get additional support, they're going to have mass layoffs. Now, obviously, that's a huge negative for those people. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Dom, in the world in which we live, that is one of the reasons that the stocks are rallying. They're rallying because uh, of the Abbott Labs, you know, that uh, $5, 15-minute test that we talked about virtually all day yesterday. Uh, but also they're rallying because if all of a sudden you take um, 19,000 people, which is what I heard for one of these companies in the transportation sector, you take that many employees off their list, uh, all of a sudden that stock is uh, more attractive to certain investors. Now, like I say, I'm not rooting for that to happen, Don, but I'm just noting that when you see MGM, it's making a 61% move in the last month. This was a $16 stock. Now it's pushing through 24. Melco, MLCO. Now this one's obviously really just about gaming over in Macau, but making a very strong move also. And then, like I say, some of those uh, epicenter stocks, as Tom Lee would call them, in the transport or the people that have to touch us in terms of hospitality, many of those are getting that lift either because they're betting that they are going to get a bailout as we start September next week or that uh, they're going to have to go through these very painful um, cuts to their workforce, and yet that is their single biggest expense. So looking at all that, Dom, that's why I'm pretty heavily loaded in some of those stocks right now because I'm anticipating that either we get that bailout and there's some sort of agreement, whether it's a skinny deal or the $1 trillion deal, or there's going to be a lot of layoffs. And unfortunate as it is, those stocks will rally on those layoffs. And that's why I'm focused in on those sectors. All right. So speaking of sectors and industry groups to focus in on Anastasia, we know you don't look at the stocks specifically, but there are certain types of companies, industries, maybe even ETF plays that you're looking at right now. What exactly goes on your buy list these days? Yeah, there's a few things. So first of all, some of the recovery trades that we just talked about, the hotels, the airlines, they have been uh, holding up pretty well in the last week or so. I think there's more to that trend, especially if you look at it from a six months to a 12 months perspective. I think we are likely to make some breakthroughs on the treatment and putting COVID behind us. So I would actually be a buyer of some of the recovery trades. You could do that through consumer discretionary. You could do that through consumer services that uh, the investment committee talked about here. So that's the first list of things. The second thing, I would really think about clean energy and electric vehicles. These are not just fads. These are both trends that are gaining prominent traction. And it's not just because the policymakers are pushing us in that direction globally, but it's also because the economics are there. Whether you look at the cost of the battery technology from a company like Tesla, whether you look at the cost of the electric vehicle, it is now approaching parity with some of the traditional cars. If you look at the cost of clean energy like solar and wind, it is now also converging with coal and natural gas. So all of a sudden, this changes the math for investors. It's not just the government push, but it's actually the pool of attractive economics 
that's that's really holding an investor interest on this on this category. So the move to sustainability is huge. It is not just the election trade. I think it is really the trade for the next few years. The last thing I will mention is all of these were in the bullish camp, all in the bullish side. Um, I have liked tech. We're going to continue to like tech. But if you think about some of the risks that are out there, we're going to hear a lot more on the U.S.-China trade, most likely leading up to the elections. So whether you look at Asia tech, Asia shares, or U.S. technology, I would be thinking about hedging some of it. Don't sell it, but hedge some of it. All right. Hedging some of the technology exposure. Speaking of technology exposure, let's talk of the biggest one of them all. Apple, four for one stock split. It begins on Monday. It's been a huge contributor to the market in just two months' time. The Dow has soared a little more than 3,000 points. For context, during that span, Apple stock has skyrocketed more than 40% and has pushed up the Dow by more than 1,000 of those points. Let's turn to you. I mean, each of you guys, besides Anastasia, owns Apple. Steve, I'll go to you on this one here. What do you think? We're going to a stock split. It's been very bullish. Do you still ride Apple and kind of see it through to the end of the year? So, as I mentioned yesterday, on the day the split was announced, I bought a trading position in Apple. I've got my core position, haven't touched that. And I sold it. It was up 15% in less than a month. That's a pretty good gain. However, that doesn't mean to me that the move is over. I still think that you've got enough Robinhood money, you've got enough you know, day traders that are sitting at home and not working, not being productive. Perhaps that's why you're seeing all these layoffs. And you know, just to address that for a second, because I think it's a very important point that you brought up that we didn't really fully flesh out. Well, some of the layoffs are happening because companies are becoming more productive. Other layoffs are happening, like with the airlines, because business is terrible. So you have Salesforce.com laying off a lot of people despite exploding earnings, and the airlines laying off people because the business isn't there. I want to be with the companies that are getting leaner. I feel terrible for anybody losing their job, but I know of one large company that watched how their employees worked from home logged in. Some didn't log in at all on a day. Some logged in for an hour. So what we're seeing is a change in behavior where companies are saying, look, we can do more with less. So I don't think jobs come back anytime soon. Going back to Apple. So I think Apple, even though there's no economic benefit, the studies all show that stocks six months to 12 months, depending on the time frame, outperform by five to eight percent after a split. Since we're in a hyper environment, I would expect you to see Apple and maybe even Tesla outperform to a greater extent just from people saying I can get it cheaper, even though economically that's completely false. All right, Jim Labenthal, you're also an owner of Apple. We just flashed a graphic on the screen there showing that Apple trades at 37 times next year's expected estimated earnings. It's also worth $2.15 trillion in market cap. All of those are fairly eye-popping. Do you still want to own this stock? Well, I, I am, but I'm kind of holding my nose because, look, I heard what Steve said, and he's properly qualifying it as a technicality. The split may cause some buying. I'd call that a sugar high. But here's the, point, the main point I want to make is in a month, this stock is up about 35%. That's after the split was announced, okay? Now, let's take a look at what's happened this month. It's not like the Fed lowered rates this month. It's not like anybody didn't see the change in policy coming from yesterday. There's no new fiscal stimulus. We're post-earnings. So this 35% return in the month of August, to me, is the front-running of the split that's coming up. 
So I think it's more likely that Monday is a sell the news sort of thing. Now, I'm not going to sell it. I mean, I've trimmed it a couple of times this year. Uh, it's still a 5.5% uh, position, but that's perversely an underweight to the S&P 500. So I'm underweight Apple, and I'll stay there for now. All right, some Apple views there. Thank you guys very much for that. Straight ahead on the show, we are trading a few bullish calls out today. One is on this mystery stock, which has more than doubled just this year. We will reveal that name. We will debate it coming up next. Halftime returns in just two minutes here. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. Let's get out to Sue Herrera with the latest headlines. Good afternoon, Sue. Good afternoon, Dom. Here's what's happening at this hour, everyone. The white teenager charged with killing two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, will stay in Illinois for now. Kyle Rittenhouse has received a one-month delay for his extradition hearing so he can hire a private attorney. Four people have tested positive at the Republican National Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina, for the COVID virus. A convention spokesman says all four tested positive on arrival and were immediately isolated. And Americans have saved more than $90 billion on commuting costs since the pandemic began. That's according to a new study from remote work specialist Upwork. That comes out to about $2,000 per person or more than $750 million per day for the whole country. You are up to date. That's the news update this hour. Dom, I'll send it back to you. All right, Sue Herrera, thank you very much for that. Let's get to some trader moves. John, you are booking some gains, trimming some positions, selling stock. What are you doing? Um, yeah, not huge, Dom, but taking some stuff, uh, some of these positions off in uh, GLW. Uh, Corning, of course, with their newer Gorilla Glass had made a really nice pop for us. And between the last time I was on Monday and now, I've been selling out of that position, Dom. ADT, uh, that one was uh, basically not a big bell ringer, Dom. Instead, it was just kind of, I got a nice ride on the way up, and then it just kind of bled off. And to your point, what we talked about earlier with options, you have to make a decision pretty quick when you're in those short-term options, Dom. And so ADT, I thought we might see uh, Google or somebody make a nice move for them. Uh, the stock made the pop and then it pulled back, so I exited that position. And another one to finish up with, Dama Dell. Uh, we had really strong activity in Dell Computer over the last several days, and that one made a huge pop, along with Hewlett Packard, by the way, when Hewlett announced those 18 million PCs shipped, which was a record for them. Dell made a really nice move to the upside, and even though I still have some calls and stock, in Dell. I was trimming that one pretty aggressively today. All right. So those are some sells there from John and Jerry. And let's get out to Rahel Solomon with some of our analyst calls of the day. Good afternoon, Rahel. Hi, Dom. So this one might sound familiar. At least the first one. These calls are all betting on continued stay-at-home trends. Dell getting a street-high price target of 80 bucks and an outperform rating at RBC after its solid earnings report yesterday. So analysts also think that 
the VMware spinoff will unlock more value than the market has priced in. That stock notching a new 52-week high today as it sits at 66.08 right now. Uh, City is initiating coverage of General Mills and Kellogg, which together represent more than 50% of the cereal market. Neutral rating for General Mills. Price target here is 70 bucks. Kellogg gets a buy with a $79 target. So analysts are betting that as more of us stay home, cereal sales of these big brands will remain elevated. And that, however, comes as the Wall Street Journal indicates a decline in grocery spending as people become more price conscious in the absence of additional government aid. So watch that space, Dom. And speaking of food, but this time dog food, Chewy, getting a street high price target of 70 bucks from 60 at Wells Fargo. Noting that the pet product space is in growth mode and an economically resilient market. By the way, shelter populations are down more than 20 percent as people look to make their homes more inviting. And Dom, you are also a crazy dog person like I am. What's more inviting than a pet? I am. And, and, you know, we have a huge effort here at NBC Universal for a Clear the Shelters initiative. And it's only going to get a tailwind from some of this pandemic type spending on dogs and everything a tailwind? else. Did you do that on purpose? I or did it up wagging that? the tailwind oh. <laughs> on purpose. Yes. All right, Rahel Solomon, let's talk about some of these. Uh, Steve Weiss, you've talked about Chewy in the past. Do you, do you own it? Have you bought it? What are you looking at right now? These shares are up more than 100% just this year alone, a big stay-at-home COVID play. You know, if I were to extend my buy list further, Chewy would definitely be on it. It's another one that I missed. It's not cheap at all. But I was watching, you know, one of the uh, Amazon trucks being packed and 80 percent of it seemed like it was Chewy boxes. We've got a couple of dogs. We buy from them. Everybody I know buys from them. So, look, if that pulled back and there will be a pullback in the market, that's one I would also like to buy. Just a phenomenal business. All right. So, Anastasia, you're also a fan of this theme, the stay at home, this kind of changing paradigm with how we shop and whatnot. What exactly is catching your eye right now? Right, Dom, and it's not that we're all going to stay at home for the next 12 months. It's just that the focus on the home is really what the theme for us is. It means multi moving out of multifamily units into single-family units and everything else that comes with it. But specifically, delivery to the home, whether it's dog food, whether it's furniture, whether it's meal kits, whether it's exercise equipment, that to me is a very big trend that is definitely here to stay. And by the way, we see that not just in stock prices, we see it in some of the M&A activity and some of the larger companies that are buying others are buying those in this sort of delivery of services and goods to the home theme. I think all of America is getting probably more boxes than I am on my front porch from places like Amazon and pet supplies and target or walmart or anybody else out there all right thanks very much guys <laughs> now john nigerian is following some unusual options activity in that market right now his new trades are coming up next but first a look at the s p sector heat map as you can see today most sectors in the green right now and as a reminder you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the cnbc app the halftime report is back after this break Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. 
This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, welcome back to the show. Roku is hitting a new record high today, and options traders are seeing perhaps even more upside ahead. John, this is a name that you are watching right now. Yeah, and luckily trading it as well, Dom. Uh, our buddy Jim Labenthal has been all over this name in the past. And, Jim, I don't know whether or not this means somebody's going to make a move on them or what, but this one, they're just taking the shorts out to the woodshed. Roku, uh, September 4th expiration. So that's a week from today, Dom. They were buying the 175 calls. They bought 4000 right away between 2 and 3 and $4. And then the real buying really came in, Dom, and now it's up over 13 or 14,000 of these. And the stock is just zooming to that record that you cited. I'm in these calls. I'll probably take off half during the show, Dom, because they've already doubled and they're moving even higher. So I, that's what I'll focus on is being disciplined. Second one, Dom, Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Before you, oh. before you move on. Okay. I just want to go to Jim Labenthal. All right. Because I know he's been a trafficker or interested in this stock before. Roku, record highs, unusual activity. Jim Labenthal, what do you say? I just bought some about 10 minutes ago. Actually, it was on the commercial break. At the so highs. At than the 10 highs. You bought them at the highs. Yeah, well, not all-time highs. And let's put this into perspective. It's trailed the NASDAQ 100 year to date. You want to talk about a beneficiary of the stay-at-home economy, right? People need their TVs to be as connected to as many streaming uh, uh, conduits as they can possibly get. This stock has trailed the triple Qs. It's trailed other stay-at-home stocks like Amazon, like Netflix, on the year-to-date basis. It's still not back at the all-time high, I don't think, from about a year ago. Um, it's finally catching a bid here. You know, it's been trading around all year, so I see it catching a bid, and I'm back in. All right, he's back in. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just know that I, I remember Jim no. being, being a trafficker there. Your next one, though, I heard you say star. I'm thinking it's Starbucks, right? Uh, that's correct. But just one more quick one about Roku. Roku was $63 on those March lows, uh, Dom, $63, and now it's pushing through 172 or whatever. Um, that is an amazing turn, and to Jim's point, though, still only up 28% or so year-to-date. In other words, that was a pretty steep sell-off, and that V-shaped bottom certainly kicked in for Roku. Yeah, the other one is Starbucks, and they're also buying 4th of September, which means deep end of the pool, Dom, very rapid theta or time decay on this one. I bought these 87 calls along with whoever the big buyers were, and they were trading for about 50 cents. Again, that's another reason you speculate with options, because instead of buying an $88 stock or whatever Starbucks might be by this time next week, 
you're trading a 50 cent option. I like our odds there, Dom. So I'm in both of these probably for three or four days into next week. All right. So just to clarify here, Jim Labenthal, a lot of activity there that, that we just spoke about in Roku. You bought it for your personal account, those Roku shares, and just the last uh, 10 or 20 minutes or so. Is that right? I, I got to add one thing, Dom. Okay. S Scott is going to be so angry that I did this when you're doing the show and not him. <laughs> uh, he'll never let me live that down. Yeah, so I, I'm going to ask for his forgiveness as well here. So I'm going to cover all of us. Uh, <laughs> I will us on, too. On this, uh, it's going to be a blanket <laughs> and, and, apology and to Dom, the judge. I Yes. Dom, I am so looking forward to the next show that Jim and Scott are on. I just can't <laughs> wait to hear them go after gambling Jim. Oh, we'll have some, we'll have some drama there, and, and, and I'll be part of it at yep. some point here. Anyway, all right, guys, thank you very much. Now, next up, our experts are ready to answer your questions in Ask Halftime. That's coming up. You still have time, by the way, to reach us. Go over to CNBC.com slash halftime or tweet at us at Halftime Report. Get those picks, questions in there. We are back after this. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. The traders are answering your questions. Let's go to Jim first. For Jim, from John in Belgium, going international, what do you think about Boeing's future? Yeah, I still think the future is bright. Look, at this point, all of, all of disaster is priced into the commercial aerospace side of it. Um, what you've got is a great defense business with a call option on the commercial aerospace side. And frankly, the 737 MAX is starting to pick up steam. They're getting some flight tests done with the European Union and Canada. So maybe that call option on the commercial side is worth something. So I'm staying long Boeing. All right, staying long Boeing here. Next up here, Steve Weiss. Shankar in Illinois asks, Steve Weiss, you brought Brookfield Renewable Partners any promise in solar for long? Look, as Anastasia pointed out, and I discussed on the show, I believe, last week, that even though a lot of these stocks are at their 52-week highs, this is the trend going forward, getting away from fossil fuel. Brookfield has the added benefit of being with a, a, the top alternative manager in the world. In my view, we talked about Car Carlisle, KKR, Apollo. These guys at Brookfield are unbelievable. Not only real estate, but renewable energy. I think these stocks all go a lot higher. All right. Next up, for John Nigerian from Karen in Texas, buy, sell, hold, DraftKings. Hold on to this one, Dom. Um, I know it got downgraded today. I know Penn got downgraded as well. I am not a buyer of either of those theses. I think both of them go higher. I think uh, the Big Ten was talking uh, just as we came on the air, Dom, about having a season for football, perhaps delayed into the fall. Well, I guess for sure delayed into the fall. But the more football we have, the more you're going to see those two stocks do very well, Dom. So I would say hold on to it. And if indeed the Big Ten votes to have a season, I think that bodes well for both these stocks. All right. Gaming for sure. A big focus today. Anastasia from Dennis in New Jersey. What are the most important factors you look at when evaluating a stock? Great question. I'm going to take a look at it from a growth stock perspective, which is where we focus a lot of our attention. It is earnings growth rate. And it's the revisions to that earnings growth rate are the two most important factors. So I want to look at stocks from a growth perspective that are going to give me that above average, above benchmark earnings growth rate. And there's a lot of those stocks that are 
tie to some of those themes and mega trends that we talked about. The second thing that's really important is where are the consensus expectations and what do we think is likely to happen around the earnings reports? Uh, do we have an above or below consensus view? So oftentimes when you can extrapolate that above consensus view, you can end up by with picking a stock such as Salesforce that is going to surprise, beat and raise and be up 20% on the day. So those are the two most important factors, earnings growth and revisions to that. All right. Circling back now to Jim Labenthal from Paul in Florida. What is driving Disney up? Well, this is this is a hybrid stock right now. You've got the positive of the streaming business, which is going gangbusters. And let's just say the, the COVID-19 gets worse. I hope it doesn't. But if it does, that streaming business is only going to get better. On the other hand, if, as we all hope, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic gets lesser and lesser, then the theme parks start to reopen more. The studios get back into business. So this is a hybrid stock that's got the best of both worlds going for it right now. All right, and next up to Steve Weiss from Craig in Virginia, the great commonwealth. Why has Keysight reacted so badly since their earnings report? First of all, Fred, my rescue dog, sent in a question from New Jersey and wants to know if Gambling Jim really bought Roku up 10% in a day. But we can leave that for another show. I did. In terms of Keysight, I actually bought more after the earnings. I thought it was a phenomenal earnings report. Great guidance. We're just seeing that. Companies trade down after earnings. I still like the stock. I still think it recovers and goes higher to what they were before they reported earnings. All right. We've got more trades coming up ahead on the Halftime Report. And thank you guys very much for that rapid fire there. As we get out to break, a look at some of the stocks hitting new all-time highs in today's trading. You've got Walmart included in that list, MasterCard, Chipotle, just to name a few. The Halftime Report is back after this. Welcome back. It's time for Futures Outlook. Stocks continuing their climb today. Jim Iurio, Brian Stutland are your Futures Outlook's crew today. They'll break down the key levels they are eyeing for the next week ahead. And Brian, I will go to you first. Yeah, sure. When you look at the S&P 500 and you look ahead, this 3,500 is a big number. So I expect us to sort of trade around here back and forth as we get through the September expiration in a few weeks. But if you really look at the S&P Going back a few months on the daily chart, every time we sort of break through this consolidation that we get for a few days, it moves higher very quickly. So I'm looking at that as well. I mean, even if you zoom in over the last few days on a smaller chart here, same type of pattern. You move higher, you get a little consolidation. As soon as you break through that line, it moves higher. So that line for me right now is 3510 on the S&P mini future. I think if we get through that level, you might see us jump up a little bit higher and trade towards 3,600 if we can get through that level. So watch that as we trade next week. All right, that's the level there. Jimmy Urier, what, you, what do you think about this? Well, actually, I, I hate it when we have the same exact levels. My entry point is a little bit lower than his. I'm looking at 3,501 uh, to get long, but 3,600 is my target over the next week or so. The fundamental story got nothing but stronger yesterday. Powell came out and said he was definitely all in. The news that came out of um, Japan from Abe I think is good for stocks in that it also, if we're talking about dollar denominated things rallying because the dollar is getting pushed lower, uh, people buying the yen as a reaction to that story is probably pretty good as well. Also maybe optimism over the, um, uh, the pandemic, but also that's probably going to have more of an effect on internal rotations than market moving as a whole. But I like Brian's level. 3,600 is my target as well. All right. That level, the, the key one to watch there. Thanks guys very much for the take on the S&P 500. We'll see you soon. Well, summer school, 
with Frank Holland is back tonight on CNBC at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We are taking your questions on high-flying stocks and financial planning to help you with your homework. Halftime Report is back after this. All right, tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern time on CNBC, it's time for Summer School with Frank Holland. Frank is joining us now with what's on deck for the show. So what can we expect on this Friday evening, Frank? Hey there, Dom. Tonight we're going to look at the Dow shakeup and what it means for your investments, the interest rate impact on the markets, and some of the hottest stocks in the market right now. We also have financial advisors sharing some investing ideas you should at least consider during the pandemic, whether you're saving for retirement or for college. And we're actually going to look at how the two can overlap in some cases. All right. So, I mean, Frank, I'm looking at some of these issues that you're taking a look at. What are some of the other topics that you're touching on tonight as well? You know, consumer staples and consumer discretionary stocks. We get a lot of questions about those. So we're going to touch on those. And if you look at them, believe it or not, consumer staples, this might surprise some people, have actually underperformed the market over the last three months, even though we're we're here during the pandemic and people seem to be stocking up. So we're going to look at those. And uh, Sarah Eisen's going to join us to look at Colgate. We're also going to have halftime regular Courtney Gibson on. And she's going to give people a lot of advice and some insight if they're thinking about getting into some of these consumer staple or consumer discretionary names. I'd like to turn right now, if, I, if you'll mm-hmm. let me here, Frank, to yeah. Anastasia Amorosa here, because the consumer staples theme is an investing one. What do you think about it? I think it had its heyday, and that was during the depth of the pandemic. It was all about stocking up. It was about the supply chain uncertainty. Luckily, we are beyond that, and I actually would look to consumer discretionary and consumer services as we do shake off the worst of the COVID pandemic. I think that's where some of the value is going to start to emerge as we show up at uh, restaurants once again and retail, although not so much at brick and mortar, but mostly online. All right. Discretionary over staples on the consumer side. Frank, we know that a big part of the summer school program is the viewer questions as well. What stocks or sectors have people really been kind of asking about? Well, Dom, it's really all about the questions. We hope people send in, are sending in more questions. We're still taking them right now. But we got a lot of questions about travel and leisure stocks. I think all of us are wishing we could go on vacations right now. So a lot of people want to know, are these stocks going to rebound? If you look at airline stocks, for example, over the last month, they've actually outperformed the market. Again, and it might be a surprise for a lot of people. So we get a lot of questions about specific airlines, maybe their favorite airlines. Should, is this the time to invest? Cruise line stocks, is this the time to invest? Is this the, the low before a possible rally, especially with so much news about potential vaccines, rapid testing from Abbott and things like that? A lot of people think, hey, this might be on the on the path, at least to rebounding. All right. A lot of a lot of information for right. sure. I'm sure coming up later on. Again, you don't want to miss summer school tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time right here on CNBC with Frank Holland answering a lot of your questions out there. Frank, thank you very much. We'll see you later on tonight. Well, we're looking ahead to the next big earnings round coming up, including this week, Zoom, plus your final trades. Those straight ahead coming up on the halftime report. So keep it right here. All right. Check this out. Zoom video, Macy's, Cloudera, Broadcom, all of a bunch of others set to report earnings this coming week. Let's trade some of these names. Steve Weiss, you own Cloudera. What are you doing? I do. I own it. The turnaround's still going on. I still think it's possible to sell the company. Icon still has 18% of the company. I think things look pretty good there. It's in the right space. All right. Zoom is hot these days. Zoom Communications. John Nigerian, you've got a position there. What are you doing with it? Yeah, this one's been uh, just a rocket ship. Um, I am aggressively selling calls here right now at the 300 strike, Dom. The stock is basically right there, right at the money. And I love it, but I think it's prudent to sell some of those calls, maybe even shore it up with a little put underneath the market, Dom, to hold on to these gains. 
but I still like the upside. All right, just a little bit of time left. Let's go through final trades. Anastasia, we'll start with you. Biotech. It's been an underperformer lately, but the long-term potential is absolutely there. So despite some of the recent disappointments on gene therapy, I would be adding to biotech. Earnings growth and attractive valuation. That's what makes me bullish on biotech. All right, Jim Labenthal. Well, first off, I think Stevie Wonder Weiss uh, will eventually be in Roku with me. But in the meantime, Steve, why don't you join me back in General <laughs> Motors? That's my final trade for today. Auto sales are doing pretty good here. All right, Steve Weiss. Made my charitable contributions this month already, Jim, but thank you. Jets, look, I think they're impervious to bad news at this point. I do think the government comes through. I own the ETF. All right, and finally, John Nigerian. Cracker Barrel, Dom, a little, you know, a restaurant chain that just can do and is doing. I like them, and I'm buying them here. All right. Guys, thank you guys very much. That does it for the Halftime Report. The Exchange with Kelly Evans begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.